Welcome to the Case for Safety podcast. Our conversations with safety experts aim to share ideas and insights you can use to help your organization benefit from efforts to improve worker safety and health. I'm your host, Scott Fowler. Window washers, bridge inspectors, wind turbine maintenance workers. What do these occupations have in common? Well, one thing they have in common is that they may at one time or another be involved in rope access work. What is rope access work? It's the subject of a new ANSI ASSP standard, the first of its kind, and will be the topic of our conversation today. Here with me to discuss rope access work and this new standard is Louie McCurley. Louie is the CEO of Pigeon Mountain Industries, and she is also the chair of the ANSI ASSP Z459.1 subcommittee on safety requirements for rope access systems. Uh, Louie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to ha- uh, just have the opportunity to talk about my passion. Great to have you. Now let's get started. So I thought we could start by giving an overview of rope access, uh, some of the applications where it's used. So, you know, when we say the, the term rope access, what are, what are we talking about? You know, it's an interesting term because sometimes people assume that, well, anything with a rope must be rope access. Um, but that would be a little bit like saying, well, anything with a fall must be fall protection. And, and it's just, it's not true. So, so rope access is a method of fall protection uh, that also involves providing access to a location. So you have two separate systems. You have an access system and a backup system, and they're both ropes. And that's what constitutes a rope access system. And that's why it's not just fall protection. It's actually also the the method of getting to the workplace. Now, the first rope access in the United States um, that we have traced back that we can find, uh, we believe was in the construction of some of the the dams like the built by the Bureau of Reclamation in the 1940s, 50s, where they used rope access methods to get down those slopes and the sides of the dams to uh, to do work. Okay, great. Now, with that foundation, I thought we could get into the the 459 standard itself. As I mentioned, it's a first of its kind standard, uh, really exciting. So take us through the, the history of the standard, what, what's included and how it can help keep uh, workers safe when they're doing uh, rope access work. Sure, Scott. The the whole Z359 uh, fall protection committee is focused on fall protection as a whole, but one of the gaps that Z359 has had uh, since its inception is acknowledgement of this thing called rope access. So Z359 has focused on fall arrest, positioning, restraint, and people who are doing rope access have, have tried to squeeze themselves into one of those definitions, but they don't really fit. Um, because there's some specific requirements around fall arrest and, and any time that you're, you're in uh, a roped system, it was assumed that you needed to have conventional fall arrest, which involves six foot lanyards and, and long fall potentials and dorsal attachments and things that just don't really work when you're using a rope as your main line. So Z359 recognized this uh, many years ago, like 20 years ago or better, but wrapping our heads around it and putting some sort of definition to how to address it uh, really kind of escaped us until after the publication of the ISO standard. And it's ISO, um, the TC94, which is the fall protection standard uh, in the ISO ecosystem, developed a, a 
document called ISO 22846, and it was a standard on rope access. And I think that was the first time the Z359 looked at it as a whole and said, oh, wait a minute, here's how rope access can integrate with and not necessarily bump heads with conventional fall protection. So, so it was really since then that the development of the Z459 standard on rope access started. Okay. Now, when you and I uh, spoke recently, you talked about how rope access uses different equipment than traditional fall protection requiring further training. You touched on a little bit there, but I wonder if we could discuss that in a little more detail to talk about the different equipment used in rope access and the training required to use it safely and properly. Yeah. Now, this is a super, super important part of the whole concept because in typical fall protection, there's this mindset of we want to be able to engineer hazards out and not have to have extra training for people to protect themselves when there's a fall hazard. Well, with rope access, it's exactly the opposite because they're using the rope to get to and from where they're going. You're not going to do that without practice or without training. You can walk on a, a, a beam and use fall arrest without a whole lot of training, I mean, I suppose, but you can't use a rope for your access and your backup without training. So that, in a nutshell, is exactly why it's it's under a different number, Z459 instead of Z359. The Z459 numerical designator was established to differentiate between this type of of fall protection that requires additional training versus the conventional mindset where we try to engineer out hazards. That said, there's two kinds of equipment involved in rope access. There's the equipment on your main line, which is your your progress line, and that would be the this that would be in place of your feet you know that's that's the stuff that's getting you to and from where you want to go you have a descender you have an ascending system with rope grabs or or ascenders and and you have various lanyards and and combinations of those that allow you to move up down and sideways on ropes and then on the other side on your backup system your your rope access backup you have the secondary protection so that if something should happen and something and and, and your primary system should fail for whatever reason that backup system would catch you now that backup system is arranged in such a way that it limits the potential fall distance, thereby limiting the amount of potential force on the system as well. So we don't need to have the extreme capabilities that a typical fall arrest system might have. So in typical fall arrest, we allow a six foot and sometimes even more uh, distance of, of free fall before the system even starts to grab you. There's the, 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 the distances and the forces are, are higher than what you see in rope access. In rope access, we keep that secondary system closer to us, uh, no more than a couple of feet away at any given time, So and, and generally above our attachment point. So the potential for a significant fall is mitigated. And so the equipment that we can use for that doesn't have to be quite as extreme as the conventional fall arrest equipment. Uh, something else uh, we we talked about recently were the different kinds of sites where rope access might be used. And it's really comes down to two classifications or simple sites and complex sites. So I thought we could talk about the difference between those two and what needs to go into the planning for the work at each type of site. 
Yeah, it's a great thing to touch on because historically, people who have practiced rope access or been involved in rope access, uh, before we let anybody on ropes, you know, when we first started doing rope access 20 years ago or better, 30 years ago, people would have have to have an extensive amount of training. Their skills are so outstanding on rope. I mean, uh, there's not much that a, a certified rope access technician at a level two or three, there's, there's just not much that they can't do in the traditional sense. But what we're finding, what we found, have found over the ensuing decades since the, the certification processes were de- originally developed, what we're finding is that when people go to work, they actually don't do very many of those skills at all. They mostly just kind of go up and down. In fact, many people, people in building maintenance, for example, or even in a wind turbine will often ride the elevator to the top, jump on a rope and come down and do their work and let gravity help them, then get off the rope at the bottom and go jump on the elevator again to go back up and move over a couple of feet and start all over again. And so the extensive skill sets that were originally trained in the original models of certification for rope access have been found to be unnecessary for probably 80% of the work sites out there. And by training these people in the extra techniques and the more advanced and difficult techniques, it was a barrier to entry for some. It was additional cost, an unnecessary cost for some. And it actually confused people some because they know all these advanced techniques, but really you're going to need to just stick with the basics. And and so in the Z459 process, we were trying to write the standard for the vast majority of people out there. We want to keep people safe. We want to keep as many people safe as possible or help. We want to help People keep themselves safe is what we really want to do. Um, And and we want to do that for as many people as possible. So by writing a a standard for a simple system that encompasses the vast majority of what everybody does out there, it creates a shorter training course. It creates an an easier certification, to be quite honest. and, And it covers the vast majority of what happens. Simple rope access is defined as a rope access site or location where there is both top and bottom egress and access to the rope. And so the technician can get on and off rope at both locations. In a simple system, there is not extensive sideways deviation of the rope. So on some work sites, and I'll use bridges as as an example, when a bridge, bridge engineer is doing bridge inspection typically they'll they'll descend down a little ways to a certain point but then their next anchor might be 20 feet over to one side and so the rope will actually go down and have a belly in it and come back up and be re-anchored uh, at that at that location 20 feet off to the side so there are ways to safely negotiate that without creating a swing fall hazard but that's a more advanced skill and so that we call that complex rope access. And for complex rope access, the technicians have to have a little additional training, a little additional skills, a little additional uh, proven capability of, of techniques so that they can negotiate that safely. Okay, so um, really great examples there. Going back to the standard, as you just touched on, the, the standard is very comprehensive, covers so many different aspects of, of rope access. But when it, when it comes down to whether, whether it's end users, operators, people you know, taking a look at the standard, what do you hope are, are their big takeaways? My greatest hope is that this standard 
will make rope access more accessible to a wider, broader range of people. Um, right now, the, the people using rope access tend to be specialists. They're, they're very uh, highly advanced, skilled, uh, and it's, it's used really less than it should be, in my opinion. As I mentioned earlier, the, the systems for rope access, they don't allow as great a fall. As, as conventional fall arrest. They allow you to access locations where there may not even be facilities or anchors or, or the ability to implement traditional rope access methods. So by opening rope access to a broader spectrum of workers and work types, I, I think that we can actually improve safety for people just by giving them a, a way to do their work. Now, this standard has everything in it. The Z459 standard has everything from program management for supervisors and employers to equipment selection and rigging for the qualified person to in inspection of rigging and techniques for the competent person, uh, including rescue, and then methods, just the methodologies for the authorized person. So there's, there's a little bit for, for everybody in, in this standard. The fact that the standard covers so many different aspects of rope access from employer responsibilities to qualified person responsibilities to competent person and authorized person responsibilities um, and requirements for, for those. It, it might seem like a lot to dig through and to wade through. Some people might think, well, I don't need to know that part. Leave that up. Leave, I don't, just leave that part off. I don't want to see that. But the reality is, is that by understanding each other's limitations and roles and responsibilities, it helps the others do their respective jobs more effectively. So having it rolled into one standard at this point, especially as the industry is just kind of catching on to rope access and learning what it's all about, I think is a benefit. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to add about uh, the 459 standard or uh, rope access work as, uh, as we wrap up? You know, I'm super excited about the potential for just about every industry out there. One of the things that, that I like to emphasize is that rope access is not a job. It's the bus you take to work. And so becoming a rope access technician is a great skill set for just about any kind of, of tradesman to have um, and, and for professional careers as well. I mean, we, we have a training going on this week for a, a bunch of engineers. Um, and so last, last month we had a whole crew in here of painters and building maintenance people. The spectrum of, of work that you can perform using rope access techniques is, is virtually unlimited. So for, for me, that's, that's the number one thing. I also want to emphasize that there are some trade associations out there, um, multiple trade associations that are doing uh, rope access training and certification in accordance with their own internal guidelines. And, and we have tried our very best to mesh the Z459 with what's happening in industry best practice out there right now. So the Z459 is not instead of or even in addition to any particular trade association, it's just they're complementary to one another. And so I would encourage you that if you're a certified technician through one of these trade organizations, uh, or if you're using team members that are certified, if you're an employer using team members that are certified through one of those organizations, 
that's amazing. You don't need to start all over from scratch. You're, you're already doing what's in the Z459 standard as long as you are compliant with the regulatory requirements that kind of trickle down from OSHA and the fall protection community. So because some of those trade associations they're not really focused on any one location from a regulatory standpoint. So whether the technician was trained in the United States or Australia or Britain or France or uh, Singapore or wherever it was that they were trained, they may may or may not be using equipment and uh, specific principles that are compliant with your local regulatory requirements, whether you're here in the United States or wherever it is you are. So that's kind of on you as an employer to just make sure that the technicians are skilled and capable in the techniques and that they're also compliant uh, with the regulatory requirements of your jurisdiction. Okay, great. I think that's that's a great note to end on. So uh, thank you so much again for coming on, Louie. I hope uh, our listeners will take a look at uh, 459 and uh, think about how it can help them uh, protect those involved in the rope access work. So thank you again. Super. Thank you so much for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Case for Safety podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org and follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time.